0: Today, I'm going to be continuing in in our series, Mythbusters. The goal of this series is to try to discredit or prove wrong spiritually, widely held popular financial myths and beliefs. Last week, Pastor Todd asked the question, does God care how we view and handle our finances? Of course, the answer is yes. Yes, he does. And, And Pastor Todd last week showed us how uh, some biblical views and some ways of handling our finances. Uh, At the beginning of his message, Pastor Todd listed a number of financial myths and beliefs. And so today I want to look at uh, a couple of those myths that he listed last week. Before we get into that, let's go ahead and pray over our time in the word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is awesome powerful, living, and true. Uh, Lord, we thank you that it's accurate and sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, we just thank you for the full counsel of your word, Lord, including the counsel and direction on finances. Lord, open up our ears, our hearts, and our minds, and our spirits to receive this word. Give us the grace to apply it. Holy Spirit, help me as I present it and as I unfold to accurately divide the word of truth. I pray that it produce fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold in all everyone's life that's here today and beyond. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. So like I said, he listed a number of those things last week, and, and uh, you know, of course, we're in a series, so like he told me, he kind of set me up and threw those out there, knowing we had met that I'd be speaking on these this morning. So the first myth that I'm going to look at today that he threw out was, if I can just inherit a million dollars, or maybe you—you had you uh, maybe ten million dollars, or maybe you just ten thousand dollars, or uh, you know—I I wouldn't have any more financial problems, man. I'd be set if I can just come into like a lump sum of a bunch of money. I would be set. I'd be good to go. Well, he mentioned it last week that, you know, it's been documented that a lot of people that have inherited great sums of money or win the lottery actually have more problems than they had before, right? He mentioned that he had watched a program and it was all about these people whose basically lives fell apart. Well, I, I did a little bit of research myself and I read an article that was written in January of last year and it was called, Here's How Winning the Lottery Makes You Miserable. That was the name of the article real real article. And in it, the writer said, so many of these people wind up unhappy or wind up broke. People commit suicide. People run through their money. They go through a divorce. People even die due to an excessive amount of money. Matter of fact, in that article, and, and, and for time's sake, I just pulled a few things out of it. But in that article, there was one man that he actually was a millionaire before he won the lottery. But he, you know, so you would think, okay, he's, he's, he had this successful construction business he but then he won the lottery and, and basically doubled his fortune was like three hundred something million that he won and uh, He alluded to that after winning the, that amount of money, both his daughter and granddaughter died of overdoses of drug overdoses, and he alluded to the fact that they had all this money to spend you know, on excessive amounts of drugs and it and it killed them both. And like you see, you see divorces, you've heard suicides and we'll talk about that. Why, you know, people are so much pressure to give from people come out the woodwork, people that, you know, you went to kindergarten with, you know, come out the woodwork and and want a piece of the pie, so to speak, right? According to the National Endowment of Financial Education, about 70% of people who suddenly receive a windfall of cash will lose it within a few years. So this is not just speaking of just the lottery. I know most people in here probably ain't not, never play a lottery, but, you know, just coming into inheritance. It says 70% of people that gain a windfall of cash, whatever means, 70% will go through it in just a matter of years. One lady that came into a lot of money told an AP reporter she had to adapt to this new life would change how she saw her closest family and friends. I had to endure the greed and the need that people have trying to get you to release your money to them. That caused a lot of emotional pain. Now listen to this. She said, these are people who loved me deep down and they're turning into vampires trying to suck the life out of me so this is not even like distant friends that they went to school with. She's saying like my my closest relatives, my closest friends who I love deeply and love, they love me deeply. They, they turn it into, you know, vampires that are not trying to suck blood, but trying to suck her bank account dry. This doesn't sound like fewer problems to me, does it, to you? So we know that's clearly a myth that getting more money doesn't actually, more money has been said there's more problems. The second myth that he mentioned one of the myths that he mentioned, the second one that we're going to talk about this morning, is if I can just get a little more money, then I would be fine. If, if I can just get a little more money, then I would be set. I wouldn't be financially stressed. Not necessarily like, you know, you know, having a big lump sum or like getting inheritance, but just, you know, just a little more. If I can get just, I'm here, if I can just get here, I'd be okay. Man, if I, if I can just get to a little bit more, I'd be good. Well, most of y'all have heard know who John D. Rockefeller is and maybe even have heard this famous quote. If you're not sure who Rockefeller is, maybe heard his name. At one point, he was the world's richest and first ever American billionaire. Now listen to this, billionaire. And considering he was a billionaire in the early 1900s, he's still considered as the richest person in modern history. When a reporter asked him, how much money is enough? His response was, just a little bit more. Here's a multi-billionaire, and his response was, what's enough? Rockefeller, when do you have enough money? He said, when I get just a little bit more. So that's also a myth. We can see just looking at these examples that those two trains of thoughts are a myth. But I want to give you some biblical principles that will help you to keep you from thinking this way and maybe falling into believing these myths. The first biblical principle to counteract the first myth I talked about Is being faithful with the money that you have now. Being faithful with the money you have now. If you think that, you know, if I would get more money, I wouldn't have the problems I have. Well, if you're having problems handling and managing your finances now, if you get a bigger lump sum of money, you're just going to have more problems. And I'm specifically talking about being faithful. We're going to kind of get into the actual handling of finances. If you're in Matthew chapter 25, again, this is probably a familiar story to many people, but maybe some of you have not heard it. I'm going to take the time to read the whole story so you get the full, the full picture of what Jesus was saying here. Now, Jesus was using uh, this, illust- this as an illustration about a kingdom principle, but he did use money and the handling of money to do that. So we're going to look at it, uh, it literally uh, with, with the money aspect of it. Matthew 25, 14 through 29 says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more. Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you was a harsh man harvesting crops you didn't plant, gathering crops you didn't cultivate, and I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, if I if you knew I harvested crops that didn't plant and gathered crops that didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten interest on it. Then he ordered, Take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they would have an abundance. But from those who do nothing with nothing, even what little they have will be taken. Away from him, we see in the story that the servant there was actually two servants that was faithful, but the servant with the most that that was faithful with the amount that he had, which was still a small amount, was rewarded with more now, my point in giving uh, reading this story is, is not to say that we're, if we're faithful with the, the finances that we have now, that the Lord is automatically gonna give us some more, right? That's not what I'm saying. But the principle here is that, you know what? If, if we're not, again, faithful and what we have now, if we come into more money or eventually, even slowly, you work your way up in your career, you begin your salary increases. If you don't get a hold of your money now and, and, and know how to f- faithfully manage that money, The problems aren't going to go away when you get more. They're actually going to get worse. matter of fact, if you look at this story uh, in Luke, uh, it's told a little different. It's a story of 10 servants, and they all were given the amount. And whenever Jesus said, or the master said to take the money uh, from the one that didn't do anything with it and give it to the one that had 10, the other servants kind of freaked out. It was like, whoa, whoa, hey, master, why are you giving him more? And he he said, because the principle of being faithful. In other words, I know it. He said, I'll give you more responsibilities. See, Everything that the Lord gives us, which Pastor Todd talked about last week, he talked about the difference between looking at our money and possessions from an ownership or a stewardship point of view. Remember when he said that? We can look at it as an owner or a steward. So you see, he said, I will give you more responsibilities. A steward has to be responsible with what has been given to him. It's, we don't own these things. We Pastor Todd talked about all that kind of stuff, that it's, yes, we work for it and our money's on the checking account, but you know what? We must be good stewards, and being faithful is being a good steward of our finances. If, again, if you're having problems being faithful in managing your finances now, you will have even bigger problems if you get more. And so that's why I want to just give you a few insights. And these are basics. A lot of you have heard these before. Uh, but again, you know, every year we teach a, a financial series. And for some people, you haven't. We we talk to many people uh, on staff here. We have people come in that that still have a hard time with this, just the basics of getting a hold of managing your finances. So here's three ways to be faithful, three basic ways to start to be faithful with your finances. Number one, plan your spending. You must get a hold of and plan your spending. Proverbs 21.5 says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. You see that? Good planning and hard work leads to prosperity. I would say winning the lottery would be a hasty shortcut. Would you agree? And you might be prosperous in the bank, but as we see from numerous stories, that's not the way to become truly prosperous. But good planning, you must plan your spending. Some people have problems financially because their spending is out of control. And once again, going back to the myth, if you can't control your spending now, it'll be even harder if you get more money. You ever heard the phrase or said it yourself, the more you get, the more you spend? Yeah. You ever heard that, right? The more you get, the more you spend. So you know what? If you can't get a hold of your spending now, if you come into more money or just slowly or an inheritance, then it, you know that's why, again, a lot of people live a destructive lifestyle because they have money to burn, they can go through it so quick, whether it be, you know, I was thinking about this, drugs, or or fast cars, or sometimes the combination of both, and people lose their lives because they, they have anything at their fingertips, and all they know how to do is spend it all. Look what Proverbs twenty-one twenty says, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. Fools spend whatever they get. So what is planned spending? It's called a budget. It's called a budget. I know that's a bad word for some of you, but planned spending is a budget. You need to have a budget. A budget is a financial plan of how you're going to spend the money you make. It's prioritizing your spending by paying what's most important first. That's what a budget is. It's prioritizing your spending. What's most important? What do I need to pay first? You know, and, and my mom and dad taught me this principle when I was younger than when we got, and I got saved and came to church. I went through the Financial Peace University uh, with Dave and the Dave Ramsey uh, curriculum, and, and, and we learned about a budget in more detail. But, you know, the very basic the very basics of a budget, like when me and Cassie first got saved, uh, was very basic. And 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 uh, Cassie was talking to a, a lady that was older than her one day. This was years ago, and this lady was having financial problems. And Cassie started talking to her, and she was surprised that as she started talking to this lady that was older, pretty much close old enough to be her mom, was having financial problems. So Cassie just began to talk to her, and and she said, "Well, you know what me and Brandon do," and gave her the very basic. I mean, this is. Baseline, of course, your budgets get getting more complicated. Ours is now. But the very basics, she's like, you know, when we get paid, we tithe. We save a little bit. We pay our bills. You notice that if you stop working and making money, the bills still come? Have you noticed that? Okay, so that happens at your house too, right? You got to pay your bills. You got to buy groceries because you can eat today and you're going to be hungry tomorrow, right? I eat today and I'm hungry like two hours later, right? So you got to buy groceries. You got to put gas. All these priorities and then... She said, if we have any money left over, then, then that's our spending money, you know? And even in a budget, you, you t- tell yourself how much you can spend. Well, this lady said, really? She's like, we've never thought about doing that. She said, when we get paid, we get paid and we go out to eat. Every Friday we get paid, we go out to eat Friday night, and then we go have some fun on Saturday, and then we start trying to pay our bills after that, and we never have enough left over. It doesn't work, does it? That's why you got to prioritize your spending. That's why you got to, and to so some that might seem basic, but Cassie was shocked to know that this lady that, that, that was old enough to be her mom had been around a long time, was, still didn't have the concept of a basic budget. And I believe in a room this size, there's probably some people that still need to get a grips on budgeting. And so listen, like I said, that's the very basics, you know, uh, but a, a budget is telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. Right? That's what Dave Ramsey says. It's telling your money where to go instead of wondering where it went. And we've all been there, right? Where you get paid or you, you, you maybe get a little blessing or something, a little lump sum. And you're like, oh, man, we got all this money. And before you know it, it's like, we got how much left? What do we do with all that, you know? You're wondering where do we spend all this money. But if you have a budget, you don't have to wonder. You're telling that money where it's going to go, right? You're going to tell it what to do. That's a budget. It's setting goals on what you want to accomplish financially. It's setting goals. Okay, this is the goal we have. We need to pay this off. We need to buy this. We want to, of course, you want to tithe. You want to save this money. You have a goal. You got to have a budget. So if you've never put together a budget before, there's tons of them online. You go to Dave Ramsey's website. Uh, you, there's apps now for your phone. You can download apps that, you know, keeps track of everything, all your bills and how much you make. And it, it's very, very, they've simplified it. So if you've not, if you don't have a budget, I encourage you, go online, get you a basic budget, and uh, start following it. Amen? Y'all with me? All right, the next way to be faithful in your finances is to get control of and reduce your debt. Get control of and reduce your debt. I knew I'd get only one amen on that. Well, I'm actually surprised I got one. It was kind of tight in the first service too. So as I was thinking about this, I was like, I've never preached on finances in here before. So I was like, I was wondering how this would go. Proverbs 22:7. seven, just as the rich rule the poor, so the borrower is servant to the lender. Debt ultimately leads to financial slavery. That's what the Bible says. I, I, that's not my quote. It leads to financial slavery. Benjamin Franklin said this, when you allow yourself to get into debt, you give another power over your freedom. You give another power over your freedom when you're in debt. So I just want to give you a few tips. You know, there's, there's, and of course, I know there's different reasons people get into debt, but I want to give you a few things that, that can help you to get out of debt, that some, some of it, I understand there's different circumstances, things happen, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, one of the biggest, if not the major reason for debt in America is credit cards. So I want to encourage you, limit your credit card use. And you see, let me just say this, limit your credit card use. It's easier to spend money when you use a card. It's so much easier to swipe that card, oh, I ain't worried about it, just swipe it, and you're not worried about it until next month when you get that bill, and a lot of worry starts coming up, right? But you see, going back to the budget, if you budget, it helps you to stay away. You don't have to use the credit card. See, like this lady I was talking about, you know, probably what happens, they go out to eat, they have fun on the weekend, they try to pay their bills, probably end of the weekend or Monday, they run out of money to pay regular bills, and probably what would they do? Pull out the card. And swipe it because now they have to pay bills to keep the lights on, right? So when you have a budget, it helps prevent you from using these credit cards, which leads to my next point. Another tip, use cash as much as possible to make purchases. Now, I know this might be foreign to some of you with the day and age. You can pay on your phone and you can do everything online and all that. But if you're out, you know, use cash as much as you can. Pull some money, go to ATM, pull some money out. Statistics say that we tend to spend a third less when we use cash than when we use credit cards. And I, I saw my mother-in-law, we just went on a vacation, my mother-in-law, and I saw her, she used cash almost the whole time we were out there. And we were sitting down having dinner one night, and she said that. She's like, I try to use cash as much as I can because she understands this principle, right? This is how much I got. This is how much I can spend, right? Y'all still with me? Y'all ain't checked out yet, huh? Third thing is don't make any quick financial decisions. Don't make any quick financial decisions. Most bad financial decisions are made when you buy out of compulsion or if you are pressured to buy something. When you buy something out of compulsion, you go into a store. And I know this, I'm not even going to pick on the ladies because, look, you know, I I do this too. You go into a store, something's on clearance, and you're like, man, I'm going to save $100 if I buy this. Right? Y'all laughing because, you know, it's true. You think the same way. I'm going to save $100 if I buy this. But the thing is, you might not have the $50 that it still costs, right? You might have that. So you take out the card or whatever, or are you under compulsion? You're like, man, this is a great deal. It might not be here tomorrow, right? And so listen, we've all been there, but don't buy, especially any major financial purchases, just spur the moment. Dave Ramsey says to always take 24 hours before making a financial, a major financial purchase. Because chances are, like, you know, saying go home and sleep on it, you'll go home and sleep on it, think about it, hopefully your wife or your husband will talk some sense into you and say this is not a good idea, we need to hold off on this, right? So don't don't buy things under, under compulsion. Also don't buy things uh, under pressure. Again, these sales, man, they, you know, nowadays they send you emails and it's like uh, one day only. Last chance, one week. It's funny. It wasn't. Well, they were trying to sell a service on that. But I got an email. I was on vacation. My email was off. I got back, and it was like, "This is your last chance." And then the next email said, "Well, you were too late, but blah blah blah." They were still trying to like, but but we still gonna help you out. You know, it's always like, "Hey, do this now. You gotta do now. You gotta, you know." But that that's that's a, a salesman's. Uh, you know, that's that's their way of 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 trying to get you to buy it on the spot like hey this is the best deal you can get right here today only and they try to pressure you into making a buy don't buy under compulsion or under pressure amen don't make quick financial decisions hey sleep on it pray. how about this pray about it it's a good idea huh Pray about it, you know. I, I'm gonna brag on my wife a little bit. She know I was gonna do this, but she's told me even when she's going to the store and, and just looking through, maybe just to buy one shirt or one piece of clothing, she'll be praying. I should flip the Lord. Should should I buy this? Should, is this a good buy? And said, I'm like, that's awesome, you know. That blesses me that even one piece of clothing, she's praying on what she should buy or should she buy it at all. I think that's awesome. I can't say that I do that, you know. I'm like, oh look, that hunting jacket is on sale. I need a new jacket, you know. <laughs> we'll go ahead and get that. See, I'm confessing my sin to you. I've been in this boat before, right? So the third way to be faithful with your finances is to learn the discipline of saving. Learn the discipline of saving. Proverbs 21:20 20 says, "The wise man serves, saves, I'm sorry, the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets." You hear that? The wise man, he compares the wise to the foolish. A wise man saves some of his money. The foolish man just spends everything that he has. 70% of Americans live from paycheck to paycheck. And why is that? Most of the time, it's because of a lack of savings. Most of the time, it's because of a lack of savings. Money Magazine says that 78% of us will have a major unforeseen financial expense within the next 10 years. A major financial expense in the next 10 years. And I know some of you sitting there like, brother, I'm standing in faith that ain't going to happen. I don't receive that. Well, I'm not trying to put that on you. The truth is, things happen. Look, I feel like we fell in at 78% in the last year. You know, we were, you know, doing great. Thankfully, we had some savings. We were, we were really being diligent. And, like, we started having car troubles. Some appliances went out in the house, like, all at one time. You know, the, the, the saying, it rains, it pours, you know. When it breaks, it really breaks. I could have, you know. It, the truth is, yes, we can have faith. I know the Lord, you know, protects our stuff and makes stuff last longer. But the truth is, guys, things happen. You know, our vehicle's 10 years old, wear and tear, things start going out, right? It happens. It, it, that, that's life. You can bind and loose and, and rebuke the devil every time, you know, you need a car, but listen, need a, you don't know, have to have to fix your car stuff. Things happen, so it's good to save. And the thing about it is, you know, these unforeseen expenses are not nearly as stressful if you have savings set aside for them, Right? They're not as stressful. Yes, it still catches you off guard. And look, I get it. I know. I, I know what some of you think. I'm, I'm in some of y'all brains right now. Okay, I know what some of you think. Man, every time I try to build up my savings, it's like right when I started getting going, something happens and we have to drain it. Amen. I've been there too. But you know, the thing is, is that like last year when all that stuff started happening. You know, it. it you might not build. You might only have okay, have the money to pay off this expense in your savings account. But isn't it better to have at least have that money saved? Instead of none of it, and you got to get in debt for the whole amount. You know what I'm saying? So at least it's the principle, which leads me to, you know, Pastor Todd says this, and I want to quote him. He, he says this quite often. He's told us this, you know, in the church, the leaders, meeting staff, everything. He always says, many people don't have savings, not because they can't afford it, but because they don't exercise self-discipline or don't make it a big enough priority. Just my wife said that's right on that one. And I got one Amen. That's, I know I'm stepping on your toes now. It's a discipline issue, y'all. Saving is a discipline issue. Just like tithing is a trust issue, saving's a discipline issue. Amen? So we need to, you know, you might say, man, I, I can't afford to save any money. Man, you can save a dollar off your check, right? You could save five bucks. If you're not saving nothing right now, you can put aside probably $5 off a check because it's the principle. It's a discipline. They say it takes 21 days to get in a habit. It's the principle and the discipline of, of, you know, uh, of saving. You know, I'll just give you... This is just a little tip. I didn't even say it in the first service, but you know, one of the things that I know has helped us if you do, like, if you have direct deposit or something, and you might not, but if you have it at your company, you know what? Hey, take some of that money that you get direct deposit and put it in your savings account. That way it's out of sight, out of mind. You don't even see it, right? It automatically comes out of your, out of your, your payroll. You deposit it into your savings, and then, you know, you, you, it's done with. It's a done deal. So that's just a little tip, a little side note it might help you if, you if you're struggling getting a savings account going. But I want to encourage you again, to start doing something to save some kind of money. I'm, my wire is coming out over here. I'm, I'm getting tangled up or I'm getting, I'm getting loose. See, I was binding and loosening on my wire is getting loose over here. So that's just some tips on how to be faithful with your finances, how to be a good steward of your finances. The second biblical principle to counteract the second myth that we talked about earlier about, man, if I get just a little more money, I would be good to go. It's to be content with what you have right now. First one was to be faithful with what you have right now, but be content with what you have right now. Ecclesiastes 6.9 says this, it is better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. Ooh. Let me say that again. It's better to be satisfied with what you have than to always be wanting something else. And You know, because you, when you're always wanting a little bit more, when you're always wanting something else, you know, what it really does, it robs you of enjoying what you have right now. Right? The Lord has blessed us with a certain amount of whatever. I see everybody, you know, is wearing clothes in here and probably drove here. and All of us are, are, have at least the basic needs covered. Hey, you know, let's enjoy that. Instead of looking for the newer car or the, the, the next, you know, the, the spring line that's coming out. and all, You know what I'm saying? I mean, enjoy what you have. Be content. Paul says it this way in 1 Timothy 6, 6 and 9. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world and we can't take anything with us when we leave. Right? See, most of the time we think of wealth as material things. But the Apostle Paul says, you know what, being content and living a godly life, that's true wealth. That's great wealth, he said. It's not just the amount of money you have in your bank account or possessions or stocks and bonds, but you know what, what living a godly life and being content with what you have now, he said, that's great wealth. And that's the, the, that's the biblical view. That's not a myth. That's the biblical view in this aspect of finance. We must be content but here's the key i know it's not easy cuz look even the apostle paul philippians 4:11 looks at what he says not that i was ever in need for i have learned how to be content with whatever i have so it's a learned thing it doesn't come natural right it doesn't come natural and we see that even as with little babies when they're small it's not natural for a little baby to be content they have one toy and some other toys around. A baby comes, starts grabbing. They want all the toys, right? It's like, you already got a toy. Why are you trying to take them all? It, human nature is that we want more, right? But Paul said, I have learned to be content with whatever I have. It's something that the Lord will help us to learn to do. Amen? You know, the Lord showed me this principle about being content, not in finances, but you know, uh, before I got married. Uh, and you know, before I got married, before I even got saved, when I was a young man, I really had a desire to to, to get married. And I wanted to have get married and have children. And many of you've heard me talk about this. And 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 you know, and then I get saved and I get radically saved and, and this desire becomes even stronger in me. Now I want I want to get married, I want to have children, I want to start a family. And the Lord began to deal with me, and I believe that the Lord told me that, you know what, until I was content. With being in a relationship with him as a single man, he wouldn't give me a wife. I had to learn contentment with where I was at. And now, even though that has to do with, with, you know, uh, marriage and, 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 and my bride, this contentment principle works in every area of life, even with our finances, right? If you're not content with where you're at, even if you get a little bit more, you're going to want a little bit more. Right. Let me say this before I forget because a young man came up to me after the first service and he said, did I, did I hear you say that, that about, uh, something about being spiritually content? And I said, oh, no, absolutely. He said, because, man, I hunger for God and I want, and if I said that at the first service, I apologize. There's one thing that it's okay not to be content with, and that's where you're at with the Lord. You can always hunger for more of the Lord. So I want to be clear because he misunderstood what I said. So you can always hunger for more of God. Like one worship song says, I'm full, but I'm not satisfied, Right. So it's good that, you know, that hey, it's good to be full in God's, you know, when it comes to your walk with the Lord and your faith and, and God's presence, that's one thing that it's okay not to be content with. You can continue to hunger and want more of God and want more of his presence and want to go deeper in his walk, your walk with him. Amen. Is that clear? I want to make sure I clarify that in the second service. So again. You know, I learned the contentment, you know, and it, again, it's a learned thing. It, it, there's always things that we want and that we'd like to have, but I'm telling you, when you learn to be content, man, and going back to peace, it just, it brings you peace when you're content with where you're at, right? And you're not always wanting and seeking and looking for, the, for the, a little bit more. Again, you see, when you are content with what you have now, it will help you to be content when you get more. See, obviously Rockefeller was never content, and that's why after being a billionaire, he wanted just a little more he, he was obviously not content or you know all the billions of dollars he would have been satisfied years ago but he was still striving for just a little bit more and ultimately it's a rat race y'all right it's the whole carrot you know dangling in front of you thing you know you think if you get it that'll be it but that, dairy, that carrot continues to dangle and it's, it's, it's a never ending thing listen with Benjamin Franklin I'll quote him again he said this content makes poor men rich discontent makes rich men poor Amen? And that good content makes rich men, poor men rich. So a man that doesn't have a lot of money, if he's content with it, truly inside, he's a, he's a rich man because he has peace, he has, he has confidence, he's good. But a man like Rockefeller that you know, is discontent, he may be rich in his account, but he probably was poor emotionally, spiritually, and probably mentally. So here are a couple of truths to remember to help you to learn to be content with what you have course these are basic right out of the scriptures remember that you can't take it with you when you're gone right that's what the apostle paul says in first timothy six seven after all we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we will take nothing take anything with us when we leave you maybe have heard this phrase and and i know it to be true because i've never saw it myself you've maybe heard someone say there are no you've never seen a u-haul behind a hearse have you You ever seen a U-Haul behind a hearse? No, Missy, you never seen one of those, huh? I've I've been to a lot of funerals, I've done a lot of funerals, and I've never seen someone carrying, pulling a U-Haul behind their hearse, trying to take it with them. You can't, right? As he said, you come into this world with nothing. When when you see when when you're in, which leads to the next point, you got to realize that your main purpose in life is not trying to get more money. Realize that there's, again, listen, I'm going to make this clear. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. Amen? Amen. I'll say amen. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. That's that's not the problem. The problem is whenever your life is being fueled by trying to get more money. When your purpose for breathing and getting out of bed every day is to try to get more money. Look, we all got to get up and go to work. Again, I got bills to pay. I got groceries. I got miles to feed, right? I got gas. I got to put in my vehicles. You know, we all got to go to work, and that's nothing wrong with that. But that shouldn't be your purpose in life. That shouldn't be your, your main purpose. Look Philippians 4, 11 and 12. Not that, I have, not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with anything. Now listen to what Paul says. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is on a full stomach or empty With plenty are little. See, Paul learned the secret about being content. And I believe it was this. As I studied a little more and brought out the the context of what he was saying in this, is that Paul learned to be content because his life was filled with joy from doing the will of God. And if you go further, the very next verse is the verse that we often quote, which is Philippians 4.13, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So he was realizing that, you know what, my, my my true joy and fulfillment comes through Christ who gives me strength to do everything I do, and, 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 and in this case, get everything I get. That was the secret of living that he learned. You know, even when we, he had, when Paul had a lot of stuff, he said, I've had plenty and I've had nothing, it didn't bring him joy. You see, he learned to be content in both situations, because even when he had a little bit, he wasn't hoping for more, but even when he had a lot. That didn't bring him fulfillment. He's like, okay, that's cool. I'm blessed. Thank you, Lord. But that didn't bring him true joy and fulfillment. So he was content even when he had a lot too. So when you, your main driving force and purpose, when you know that your purpose isn't to, to, your whole purpose in life isn't to get more money, then you know what? It helps you to be content. I think about, you know, again, because there's nothing wrong with being blessed and, and being rich and even having millions. I know a, a businessman that actually was doing ministry as well, and him and his brother owned multiple businesses. And he would tell me that throughout the year, you know, they would have millions in the bank. And so God would bless him and his family. But he said, you know, you would never know it because at the end of the year, he said, you know, it, our council was zeroed out because we would pump that money into giving to plant churches around the world. That same organization that Pastor Tides with uh, right now. So what am I saying? There's nothing wrong with being blessed. I know his, him his family. They have a nice house. They've taken trips and stuff. You know, nothing wrong with having a lot of money. But see, he had all this money, but his purpose wasn't just to get money. His purpose was I'm doing the will of God. God has blessed me. And there's many businessmen that, that have a heart to, to make money to pump it into the kingdom. But not only was his thing to plant churches, he had a heart for the Lord and doing God's will. I actually went on a mission trip with him and he said this. He said, you know, I have a goal to win one million souls before I die. I'm like, how do you even keep track of that? That's amazing, you know? But that was his heart. I'm like, man, I love being around people. So to him, he said at yeah, yeah, we got millions in the bank, but you know what? My goal is I want to win souls. I want to plant churches around the world. So again, there's nothing wrong with that, but his driving passion and purpose in life was to do God's will. That brought him fulfillment, amen? And it should be the same for us. Would you agree? So, again, I hope I made it clear. There's nothing wrong with having a lot of money. Nothing wrong with being blessed. I know God wants to bless us. But, you know, we got to learn to be faithful with the finances he's given us. And we got to be learn to be content with what we have right now. So, as I close, my question to you is, are you content in your life right now? Are you content? And not only financially, but are you content spiritually? Are you content inside? Are you content with where you at? In your walk with the Lord. Remember, true godliness with contentment is great gain. So Paul didn't put that that word first by accident, right? True godliness, walking with God, living for the Lord, doing God's will, walking in a holy and a pure way. True godliness. Are, are, are you content with where you at right now in your walk? And again, and maybe as I'm thinking, maybe that's where that young man maybe misunderstood what I'm saying. Like, are you content? Because if if you're not in right standing with God, if you what I'm saying is if you're not in a right relationship with God, there's something on the inside of you. You might come to church, but you know it's not right. Like I, I, there's a disconnect. Maybe you're disconnected to God, and I know that can bring contentment inside of you. Because the Bible says he's placed eternity in the hearts of every man. And what that means is that we all know there's something beyond this life. There's something greater. And we all know that there's one way how to get there. And the Lord's constantly, again, drawing us and wooing us to him. Like Paul, is your joy and fulfillment from doing the Lord's will? Are you getting joy and fulfillment from doing God's will? Maybe you might say, "Well, Brandon, I don't even know what God's will is for my life." Or maybe you you newer to church and Christianity, or maybe you just walked in here for the first time today and say, "I don't even know what you mean by God's will. What's God's will? What does God want?" Well, I, I'm gonna close it up with this. Second Peter three nine says this: "The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance." Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me as we close. Again, Paul's contentment and fulfillment came from doing the Lord's will. We see here, it says that the Lord's not willing that any should perish. So we know that God's will is for all of us to come to him in repentance. It says to repent. So, we can receive forgiveness from the Lord, so He can save us, and so we can start a relationship with Him. And we do this through His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, we talked about debt earlier. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came down and died on the cross because we all had debt. Did you know that? We were born into this world with debt, it was a sin debt. It was a sin debt that we could never pay. You could never be good enough, you could never come to church enough. You can never do enough good things to pay off the debt that we owe God because of our sins, because of that we've fallen short. But the good news is, is that this is incredible. Think about your debtor. think about the highest debt you have right now. If the same person that you owe that money to would make a way for you to pay it off to them. That's what the Lord did for us. We owed him a debt. He sent his prized possession, his one and begotten Son, his only begotten Son, to pay our sin debt for us. We could never pay it. We all fall short. The Bible says we all sin and fall short of God's glorious standard. So, once again, I'll ask you, if you don't mind, with every head bowed and every eye closed, let's take some inventory. I'm talking about spiritually now. Where are you at spiritually? Are you content? Are you content with where you're at? Are are you connected with God? Maybe you walked into this church today or you've been coming to church for a little while. But you say, Brandon, I I don't know if I ever asked God to forgive me of my sins. He said, he's not willing that any should perish. That word is talking about perish for eternity. Eternity is separated from the Lord forever. When we die, there's heaven or hell. And we will perish in hell if we don't accept Christ. I'm not saying that to try to scare you. I'm saying that because I love you and God loves you and he wants to save you and forgive you. If you say, Brandon, you know what? I don't know. I don't know if I'm right with the Lord. I don't know. I, inside right now as you're talking, I don't feel content. I don't feel settled in my relationship with God or I'm not settled with my eternity. If I die tonight, I don't know if I'd go to heaven. If you're not sure, I want you to settle that. I want you to accept the forgiveness and the, 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 uh, for the Lord to erase your debt so you can spend eternity with it. You say, Brandon, I'm not sure I know the Lord, and I'm not sure that I'm right with God. I want to be saved. I want to be eternally secure. If that's you, you and say, Brandon, I want want you to pray for him. I just want you to lift up your hand. I see your hand right here. See your hand right here, too, sir. See your hand on the side. Anybody else? Hands going up over here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. See your hand over here to the right. More hands going up. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for your salvation. Come on, is there anybody else? Anybody else say, Brandon, I, I need to get right with God. You might say, Brandon, you know what? I've been right with God. I've prayed that prayer before that you're about to pray. I've been in church. But you know what? I'm not living a godly life. He said to godliness with contentment is great. Again, you say, I'm not living a godly life. I've slid off. I've, I've been doing some ungodly things for a while. And I've, I need to reconnect with God. If that's you, I just want you to slip up your hand. So I need to reconnect with God. I need to rededicate my life right now. I need, to, I need to get right. I see your hand in the back, sir. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Okay, with all these with their hands raised, whether it's your first time or you want to pray to rededicate or reconnect with God, I want you to pray with us. Men, women, we're going to all pray this together. If you believe this in your heart, confess with your mouth the Bible says you will be saved. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for paying my debt. Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin. I pray that you would wash me clean. I pray that you would make me new today, Lord. I surrender to you. I make you my Lord and Savior. Now, Lord, give me the strength and give me the grace to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, why don't we give the Lord some praise for those that have given their lives to Christ. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hey, do me a favor, those of you that raise your hand, whether it's your first time, if you've been a while since you've done that, we have a card There's a green strip on the top that says, I made a decision. Do me a favor, take just a few minutes, fill out this card and drop it off at the info center in the lobby on your way out. We have a Bible for you. We have some materials for you to help you get started on this new journey or get back on your journey with the Lord. And listen, we wanna help you. We wanna pray with you. Your author's gonna be open. If it's to do with anything with this, being faithful in our finances, being content. Because listen, contentment is a heart condition, right? When we're not content... That falls under greed and covetousness what the Bible talks about. And so it's a heart condition. So maybe, you know, you need prayer for that. But let me just pray over you right now. Father, I pray over everyone that's here today. And I pray, Lord, for those that are maybe struggling in their finances that you help them to be faithful and they get a hold of their finances. Help them, Lord God, to make a decision to start budgeting and to start saving and planning their spending and and tithing and doing all the things that we know that Lord God, your word calls us to do. And I know, Lord, just as that life group that it We'll have a blessed life if we live that. We can, we can give and help others, Lord. Help people to be faithful and good stewards of their finances. Now, for those that haven't been content, come on, if you haven't been content, I just want you to pray and just repent right now. And ask the Lord to forgive you and ask him to help you to learn to be content. Again, Paul had to learn it. So let's pray. Father, we pray, forgive us for the times we've not been content or maybe not content, with what we have now. We thank you for all the blessings you've given us. Help us to learn to be content, to live godly lives, because, Lord, we know that. That is great wealth in the kingdom father we love you we thank you i pray your blessing on all these as they go in jesus name we pray amen and amen god bless y'all y'all have a wonderful day if you need prayer for anything we'll be down here